want to sing. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness hides his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, and his blood support me in the waving flow. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, clothed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come before your presence today first, confessing our sin. We confess that we are utterly unworthy. We confess that we have fallen short of your grace and goodness. We confess that our lives is not what we want it to be. For our one desire is to be holy. But we find that we have failings and repeated failings in us. We confess this, O Lord, so you will help us. We bring this before you, O Father, so you will sanctify us. And this is why we are here today to study from your own word. Sanctify us by the word, O God. Your word is truth. By truth we are made holy. By truth we will be made pure. Speak to us from your word, O God. Take everything, every effort that is of self. Empty me, empty my lips. Give me understanding and grant us an open mind to hear from you, to rejoice when we ought to rejoice, to repent when we ought to repent, to be encouraged when we need encouragement. This we pray through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And so today we are considering the topic, neither philosophy nor legalism, but Christ.
neither philosophy nor legalism but Christ. Colossians chapter 2 For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love and attaining to all riches and the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God both of the Father and of Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge know this I say know this I say lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words for though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have heard, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism in which you, were, you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out all the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival, or a new moon, or Sabbath, which are now shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you with, cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels. intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grow with the increase, in, grow, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourself to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concerns things which perish with the using, which perish with the using, 
according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. 23, the last verse, These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility of religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. May the Lord bless His word. Thank you for your patience. It has been a long reading. And like I said, our topic is neither philosophy nor legalism, but Christ. What is Paul up against in this text? What is Paul saying? Paul is writing to the Colossians and he also writes this to the Laodiceans because in chapter 4 I think he says after you've read this also read it in the church of Le- at Laodicea. What's he after? What's going on? What's the scenario here? What's happening? What is happening is that there are people who are coming into the church and introducing philosophy and introducing law, legalism and not bringing Christ and presenting Christ as the only singular way for salvation. Amen? They are bringing out other things that have nothing to do with Christ, things that are now when, when we look at those things and treat them in such manner and not treat them as if Christ is the one who, who, who saves, who pays for our sins, who washes us by His blood, who keeps us saved. They are bringing other things to say, no, it's not just Christ. It's now Christ and having all these other things. You have to keep a bunch of rules if you want to have salvation. It's actually, by, it's actually by faith and by works, and not faith alone. They are bringing heresy. They are bringing lies. They are basically saying this. The basic thing they are saying is Christ is not enough. Christ is not enough. Christ is insufficient. They might not necessarily deny Christ altogether. They might say, okay, Christ is really king, Christ is this, but it's Christ and something else, not Christ alone. And we are warned against such. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged being meet together in love and attaining all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are all hidden, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this is our first point. Where does knowledge come from? Where does all the wisdom, where does the mystery of God lie? Where is the fullness of God revealed? If we remember even in chapter 1, this is something that was attacked in Colossae. This is something that was attacked. In our background, we said Colossae is, 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 is filled with people who are now Christians, but they were into various types of idol worshipping before they became Christians. And so there is the argument about is Christ really what you guys are saying is, is he really Lord? Everybody is confused about the deity of Christ. 
people are coming with different types of, of, of ideas, different types of opinions about who Jesus Christ is. And in chapter 1, Paul stands firm to say he is the image of the invisible God. Christ is everything. He is all in all. And here in verse 3 it says, In whom, in Christ, are, all, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Him is the mystery of who God is. You want to know God. You want wisdom. You want to be wise unto salvation. You want to have the knowledge of the things of God. The beauty of God. Where do you look for this knowledge? It's found nowhere but in Christ Jesus. It's not found in philosophy. It's not found in the wisdom of men. Earlier today, a brother was preaching in church back in school and he... We don't preach the gospel with in, using, depending on our intellect to convert people to come to Christ. Our, our, our wise arguments, they, they don't do anything. They don't accomplish a thing. The best that our arguments can accomplish is create legalists or Pharisees or people who just like to argue. That's what I, me, Timothy, can accomplish by giving you strategic arguments that will convince you and say, what I'm saying is right. Unless Christ himself, unless Christ by the Holy Spirit is revealed unto a man, the man is still blind. And he has nothing. Philosophy, logic, can't save, it can't help, it can't do us any good. And the church will be at its best when it stops depending on these things, but on Christ and Christ alone. Verse 4. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him. We have not just received Christ for salvation alone. We, need, we don't just need Jesus Christ, we don't just need to, as they popularly say, even though I don't like the phrase, to accept Jesus Christ. And that's it. We are done with Christ. We can move into other things. I have accepted Christ where well, I can live my life based on law. It's not that I have accepted Christ, therefore I keep some bunch of rules and put Christ aside. When I have repented and put my trust in Christ, when I am born again, born of the Holy Spirit, regenerated, when I have received Christ, receive the free gift of salvation that is in Christ, then every day I need Christ. I don't just need Christ for when I'm in trouble. I need Christ for when I want to eat my food. I need Christ for absolutely every single thing. I need to depend on Christ for even the smallest details of my life. Not on laws, and not on myself, and not on the wisdom of men. Not in philosophy. 
Christ is everything. He's everything. And there is nothing that I and you as Christians should do without having Christ in the center of all of it. As Paul will say, whether if it's in eating or drinking, let it all, all be unto the glory of God. I might add, let it all be unto the glory of God in Christ. Since God has decided that everything should have preeminence in Christ, as we learned in the first chapter, when Christ is glorified, God is glorified. Amen. Rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Let's be grounded. Let's not be shallow Christians. Let's not just hold on to the basics, but let's move on to deeper things. Let's proceed into maturity. As it said in Hebrew, let us grow in the things of Christ. Let us grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Not in legalism. Not in keeping some rules. Legalism is deadly. It's death. Legalism is, is, is me keeping a bunch of rules and trusting in my keeping of those rules and eating everybody else, everybody alive because she's not keeping to these rules and condemning everybody who even for a small space doesn't keep to these rules and hating them from my heart because I am keeping to some rules that God has not necessarily even made a law to keep. These rules, one is very popular. One is very popular and if the church will repent and be honest, it's alcoholism. Is alcohol in itself a sin? Or is drunkenness the sin? Is the alcohol the sin or is the drunkenness that is the sin? The scripture tells us drunkenness is the sin. Nothing wrong with your alcohol. But what has legalism done? It has designed the whole system in such a way that if, as Brother Hesh said once, if you hold a bottle of, 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 of alcohol, you are seen as a devil already. Whether drunk or not, if you have it in your house, you're a devil. That's legalism. Why? Because in scripture we find the word wine Everywhere you find wine in scripture is alcoholic. Oinos. Noah got drunk with wine. He had too much and then he became drunk. When Jesus turned water into wine, it wasn't juice. It was alcoholic wine. So the question was asked one time, did he sin by making, by turning water into wine? Of course the answer is no. Jesus Christ never sinned. And so where do we stand? We stand upon the truth. What does the scripture say about each matter? What is Christ saying about every single matter? That's where we stand. And not in, the, not in legalism. Not in condemning what God has not condemned.
and by implication playing smart and thinking we can make better rules than God himself. Verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Here it is. Some people believe, I want to be careful here, some people believe that for you to use attachments on your hair, maybe you've heard some, it's a popular teaching in Nigeria, if you use attachments it's a sin, or that's legalism. If you use earring, it's a sin. I've had this conversation with a few people and they made few references in the scriptures. And I hope I can remember carefully. Just to show the foolishness of the wisdom of man. It's just completely foolish. Well, the scripture says somewhere that... I think it's in Isaiah 17. If I'm not making a mistake. Not 17. I can't remember properly. He said, he, he talks about women who are, are, are working with pride, with their bangles tingling, and their showers, and all their attire and their beautiful apparel. And God was speaking about what these women are doing in a negative light. And then someone looked at that and said, therefore, earrings is a sin. Another scenario is when the Lord asked Jacob to ask his, his daughter's family to bury their earrings. And then they said, therefore, that means earrings is a sin. But all this is according to the, uh, the, the wisdom of men. Think about in, 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 um, in Genesis, when Abraham was to get a wife for Isaac, and he found this woman. What did they say? He said, when you find her, put a nose ring. Put a ring in her nose. Actually, it's a ring in her nose. If it was a sin, therefore, Abraham was sinning. In another place, in Songs of Solomon, God talks about adorning her with the ring. With, with a ring, with a golden stud on it. So if the scripture, God is speaking positively about these things, and then he's saying at one time because they wore clothes and were acting in pride, therefore clothes is a sin. But in some places he's speaking positively. There's nothing wrong with your, your rings, your earrings and all these things. Whoever tells you this is legalism. And it's based on the traditions of men. It's because men feel this way about the whole thing. And not that God has condemned these things. He hasn't. I think in the list the person mentioned and said, okay, earrings is part of this. I looked and I found shower. You know what shower is? Women, you use shower. You wear it, it helps you with your cold. Cloak is like a jacket. And then I asked, in fact, another one says scarlet. Scarlet has to do with red clothing. I said, okay, let me follow you a bit. If you are saying because he mentioned earrings, cloak, scarlet, does that mean that red clothes is a sin too? 
Does that mean that cloaks is a sin? And you know what? The pride that man has, there was still no repentance and she still held to her ideas. Even after seeing clearly from scripture that this is insane to say that it's a sin because it's mentioned in that light. Even pauses were mentioned. Your pause. And so this is not Christianity. When you find this in our day and it's, it's popular in our country. I don't want to name names now, but you know them. Or maybe I should. Paul Rica is very popular with that. Holiness Revival Movement. There's so much going on that way. They tell, they tell you things like his wife died and went, his wife had a vision or a revelation and went to hell and saw all the people wearing earrings in hell. Therefore, you have mass of people believing that lie. But that's not Christianity. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. At the same time, we can't be centralists. At the same time that they condemn these things and God has not condemned, at the, the same time that He hasn't condemned alcohol, doesn't mean you should live as a drunk. doesn't mean you should misuse these things. Paul said all things are lawful, but not all are beneficial. The fact that nothing wrong with earrings, I find some piercings today quite disturbing sometimes. But I can't say a thing. You find almost all over, your the whole ear is pierced. The nose is just holes everywhere. What's the benefit of doing that, really? What's the benefit of all this? For in Him, in Christ, verse 9, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Christ. We are subject to Christ. We are judged by even a higher standard and it's Christ. See, you have too much to worry about conforming yourself to than for you to go and add the laws that the world is giving you and Christ has not given. How about take care of the ones that Christ has placed before you? How about love? How about learning to love? How about learning forgiveness? How about learning contentment? How about thanksgiving? Hmm? How about helping those who are in need? Have you taken care of these things that he has called you to? How about witnessing the gospel? How about telling men of Christ? How about these things than going to do things and, and, and squeezing people's necks about things that Christ has not given you to obey? What's the profit? Think about it. You go ahead and do something that no one sent you to do. Does it concern anybody? Do you get any reward for that? 
there is no I have no business. I've already packed my my things into my my yam into my store, into my barn and left it there safe. I have arranged it to my taste and kept it the way I want to keep it and given the order and said this is how I want my yam to be kept and then you you carried yourself into my yam store and went and rearranged everything I've already arranged. When I come, will I give you any reward for that work? Nothing. Who sent you? Who asked you to make these rules I didn't give? That's legalism and that's the traditions of men. That's the traditions of men. Let no one cheat you. Let no one cheat you. But focus on Christ. For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead. This is the second part. And you are complete in him. Who is the head of all principalities and power. You and I are complete when we are in Christ. We don't need to add anything on Christ. Amen. Is Christ enough? Yes, he is. Is Christ sufficient? Is he, is he capable of saving us, bringing us out of the mighty clay, calling us out like he did Lazarus from the grave into eternal life? Is he able to take us even to heaven? Yes, he is. He said his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Why do we want to add on all of that? There's no need. In Him, in Christ, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Amen. So there might be, they might, it, it might be that the Jews in this area, because also Jews were in, in Colossae, and now trying to force people you must be circumcised. If you are not circumcised, if you are not keeping the Sabbath, if you are not doing the baptisms, the washings with water, you are not saved. You are not complete. But Paul is saying, no, no, no. You are complete in Christ. If you are still living, if you are still wearing earrings, you are not complete. They might say. If you can't speak in tongues, you are not complete. That's what they will say. If you, if you are only preaching the gospel and can't do miracles, you are not complete. Paul says, no, no, you are complete in Christ. Why? You have been circumcised. That is, the, the, putting, the, 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 the significance of circumcision in the scriptures is you cutting off the sin and throwing it away. And Christ has done that in our body. We are circumcised by Him. That's regeneration. If I am being born again, in the true sense of what the word means, and not what people make it to mean these days, if I am truly changed and transformed, I'm a new creature, then I am complete in Christ. Like the thief on the cross. He didn't even get the chance to drop from the cross and be baptized. But, hallelujah, he was complete. And he had, he was not lacking anything for him to enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
There was nothing lacking in him. Why? He is complete in Christ. That's why when John says things like, if you have Christ, you have everything. If you have Christ, you have life. He that has the Son has life, but he that does not have the Son has death. He has nothing. And so that's where it is. We are complete in Christ. 12. Buried with Him in baptism in which you also were raised with Him, through faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you of all trespasses. Having wiped out the handwriting of the of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he had taken it out of the way, having nailed it on the cross. Look at this. What requirement is Paul talking about? When we were dead in our sins, what was the characteristics of our life? It is sin in one word. Sin. You know what? The man who is not born again, he's drinking water, he does it in his sinfulness. Why? Because as he relish in that drinking of water, he's in his own pride and not considering the God who has given this free. He thinks it's him who is sufficient and he's the one who gets everything he wants to get for himself. The man who is not born again only chases after that which is evil. The heart of man is inclined to evil. Romans 3.10 says there is none good, not even one. No, not one. Romans 3.10. Isaiah 64, 64 verse 6. For all of us are like sheep that have gone astray. And all our righteousness... I always like to pause when I reach this place. It doesn't say all our unrighteousness. So it says all our righteousness. All the things you think you have done correctly. All the good works you have done. All the righteous things you have done are like filthy rags. Filthy rags. And you see this is another reason why it's sick to add legalism on the gospel. You seek to add a bunch of rules on the gospel because what you are adding is your dirty works. If you are saying Christ is not enough, then Christ and my dirty works will please God. You are wrong. You are mixing gold with clay and cow dung. It's filthy. Galatians will say, whosoever trusts in the works... Of the law is under a curse, and the one who is seeking to be justified by the law has fallen from grace. He has fallen from grace. But Christ, He wiped out the handwriting. That handwriting, this, 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 um, when we sin, the writing is there, and we ought to pay by our own punishment in hell. That's the handwriting of the requirement. God's justice requires our condemnation. 
because of who we were, dead in our sins. But what did Christ do for us? And oh, we have to rejoice in this. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it where? On the cross. And so we are free. And this is what it means when scripture says, Who the Son sets free? Oh, He's free indeed. He's free indeed. That requirement, I'm no longer, God is no longer demanding payment for my sins anymore. Why? He has paid it on the cross. That's the word He said. It is finished. Ketali's time, paid in full. When he was about to die, he said, It is finished. I have paid in full. Nothing is left. The one who believes in me, the handwriting is going to be wiped off completely and there is nothing for you to pay on the day of judgment. Nothing but heaven waiting for me and you, if we are indeed born again and true believers in Christ. Oh, it's glorious. Having disarmed 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food, or in drink, or regarding a festival of a, or a new moon, or Sabbaths. So no one is here to judge us in these things. You know, in the Jewish setting, there are certain food that Jews don't eat. Certain foods that Jews, if you eat that as a Jew, it's sinful. I think swine is part of it. Pigs. You don't eat that if you're a Jew. And when the gospel came, God showed Peter one time in a, in a vision. Do we remember that story? He saw a vision, a stairs that rolled down from heaven. And different types of animals were going up and down of that stairs. And, and, and he said, what does, this, what, the mean, what does this mean? These things are unclean. Why are unclean animals on this place? God said, what I have made clean, Peter, don't. Don't call it unclean. It's already clean. I have purified this. Also, Paul said in another place that when you pray with thanksgiving, receive the food and eat. Not an issue. But these guys, these legalists that we are seeing, are bringing in these rules. You must not eat this. If you eat this, hell, probably. You must not wear this. If you wear this, you go to hell. If you put on earrings, you go to hell. That's a lie. A capital one. Look at this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, about eating. Now, when Peter had come, verse 11, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him, or I rebuked him to his face, because he was to be blamed. Other places say he stood condemned. Why? For before certain men, before certain men came from where James was, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself 
fearing those who were of the circumcision. Did you see that? Peter would eat. The same, you know, I, I begin to wonder sometimes for people who say they are so holy that they have sinless perfection. I think about this. I look at Peter, the zealot, who even saw that vision. Acting here as a hypocrite. Because some people were coming and he was afraid of what they would say. Peter starts avoiding to eat with Gentiles. And starts drawing himself backwards and Paul had to rebuke him to his face. This is an apostle who has spent probably, I think I made a calculation one time, decades, more than decades after Christ died is when this happened. If I'm not mistaken. Because Paul came, I don't think it's up to a decade, Paul came, he studied for three years before this actually happened. He studied for three years and it was later on that he wrote this. This is after Peter was an apostle even before Paul was a Christian. But he still, didn't, he still did not have sinless perfection. And I found, I find 16 year olds today who say they are Christians and they have sinless perfection. And here is one deadly reason. One reason that is so subtle. They keep a bunch of rules that is not necessarily from scripture. And because they are able to keep those rules, they think they are perfect. Maybe they don't wear earrings. Maybe they keep... those. those it's sick. Because I don't put a touch on my hair, then I'm perfect. It's deception. It's deception. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with Peter, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. And so this is something. Let no one judge you by what you eat or not eat but let everything be accepted in thanksgiving or what you drink let it be accepted in thanksgiving not all regarding a festival or a new moon or sabbath you have to keep these things you have to keep these rules christian is not about the rules it's about having christ in you all these rules are the opposite of what Christ said his yoke is. It is burdensome. It's troublesome. But he said his yoke is light. Take his yoke upon yourself. 17. Which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. All these things that are found in the law, all the sacrifices they made, all the things, the baptisms, the, the washings with high soap in the Old Testament, all the sin offering, all the releasing one dove and killing the other, we are only a shadow of someone trying to paint a picture of somebody and the person is Christ. 
Let no one cheat you, verse 18, of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Let no one mislead us. Let no one cheat us of our reward in these things. Let no one who claims to have backdoor entrance to the place, to the presence of God, come and give you new revelations and cheat you and deceive you and tell you, follow these things. Someone who is not holding to the fact that Christ is sufficient, the scripture is sufficient, but is telling you need something extra to add upon Christ and the scriptures and upon grace and upon faith and upon the glory of God, let none cheat you. Let none who is not holding Christ as everything even be your teacher. Let's hold on to Christ. 20. Therefore, if you died with Christ and from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to revelations? Why do you do these things? Why do you keep these rules? Why do you keep do not touch, verse 21, do not taste, do not handle, which is all concerning things which perish? with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men in other words doctrines of demons whatever doctrine is not taught by god in scripture is basically a doctrine of demons when he tells you obey this and get to heaven it's a work that demons have produced not of god verse 23 these things have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgences of the flesh. And here is the sick thing about it all. You, you get so, so into laws, into keeping rules, that you are even blinded to your own sin. And maybe because you keep a certain rule, you know what you do? You strain the nut and then you swallow the camel after. You become a hypocrite so that when everybody is watching you, you look like a Christian. But when no one is seeing you, oh, your true color comes out. That's a hypocrite. You dress when everybody is seeing you outwardly. You are like the Pharisee. You wash the outside of the cup. But inside is full of rubbish. You see, these guys are not fooling anybody. They are not fooling Paul in the text. They are not fooling God either. He can't be mocked. And if you know the scriptures well, they are not fooling you. Well, they could be smart enough to hide from you. But look, they, they profess Christ. But deep down, 
and it comes out every now and then. There is something there that just doesn't add up. And it's obvious. Because even though they profess Christ, watch their lives outside. Watch and see for yourself. I'm not saying that even I'm not saying that the real Christian doesn't make flaws. He does. In fact, he does and he is so conscious about it. The difference is all of them have issues, but one hides his issues and justifies his issues because he keeps other rules. He has no problem with lying when it's convenient. He doesn't see any fault with fornicating as far as you don't eyes don't see him. The Pharisees will steal from the temples and condemn stealing when people are looking. Let's not be those people who live by rules and keep outward rules but have not Christ in our hearts. I've seen the people sometimes that I said it's sad that you could look so modest and decent and in the end end up in hell. It's sad that this is even possible. You dress decently, cover yourself well, you don't put on the earrings, you just but there's no Christ really. It's just something, in fact, they can stand and argue with you and argue so deeply and argue and argue and argue and tell you that these things are wrong and evil. They can quote scripture out of context like people who are trained to do just that. But they are not seeing Christ. Sometimes, instead of going into argument with such people, let me urge us, ask this question. What is your trust of getting into heaven? What do you believe? How, how are you getting? What's your assurance based upon? You know what you find most of the time? Law. They are trusting in their keeping of the law and keeping of those rules to get them to safety. When all this why, what does the scripture tell us about those who trust and rely upon the law? Galatians 3.10 For as many are, as are trusting in the works of the law are under a curse. If you are depending on your works, that's where they are. There is no Christ inside. It's just outward fully doctrines of men. if we love them we best we best tell the truth we best tell the gospel we best stand firm in the gospel and not move our legs a bit let's not become people who are accommodative with the gospel i fear i fear when i see a christian who knows the truth and then is trying to be open but cautious about some things that he should actually outrightly reject. If it's not Christ that the person is trusting in, that man is lost. 
if he is depending on if I do good, God will give me heaven. If I show God my filthy rags, he will give me heaven. Then you should know that that man is blind and can't see how filthy his rags are. If you love him, tell the truth. Oh brother, you can't save yourself by your works. Sister, you can't you can't do a thing. Christ has to be all in all. Or you have no interest in Christ. You can't have a part of Christ and your works. You can't join Christ with legalism and philosophy. You can't join Christ with the rules of men. You either have Christ or you have nothing. The most moral of people. Most of them. No, all of them that don't have Christ will find their end in hell. Think about anybody moral that the society looks at and says, oh, this. In fact, parents use them as role models for their own children. They know how to greet. They know how to help old people who are carrying heavy loads. You can be that good, humanly, but if you have not Christ, it's filthy rags. And it's not enough. And it can't pay for the smallest sin you've committed. This is important that we understand this. Few reasons is this. One, it will change the way we evangelize to people. You won't just wait for the worst person you see drinking his life away with alcohol before you think you need to share the gospel. Even that nice person you know, he needs the gospel. Christ is enough. And it's the only way again that he gets glory. When we bring him, we bring him and present him as all sufficient. Is this song that says, let every other name fade away. Let everything fade. And let Christ remain. This is how we win souls. And this is how our lives also increase in holiness, holding on to Christ alone. I've tried the law, and where it got me, I don't like. When I repented from a, a kind of legalism I was stuck in, it took, there was sorrow in my heart. I was ashamed, I felt sad that. I would have shared the gospel with these people, but I was just giving them a bunch of rules. For what? To put more condemnation and bondage on them. Pained me. Spoiled my soul. I regretted the act. Let us preach Christ. And Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. As we have heard, you have spoken. 
Give us wisdom to apply what we have heard today. Forgive us where we have heard in the course of this fellowship. Grant us your Holy Spirit, O God. Give us repentance. Cleanse our hearts. Let's not just be white outside and black inside. Purify us, O God. We have many flaws. We've confessed how difficult it is. Father, we plead with you that you come to our aid and rescue us from whichever kind of bondage we are in. Deliver us, O God. As David will cry, wash him so he can teach others your way. Teach us, Lord. Cleanse us so that we can be able to be means to cleanse others. You said we are the salt of the world, but when salt loses its value, its taste, it's only for men to trample upon them and pass. It's, it's useless. We are the light of the world, your word says. Sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. And as we have sacrificed our time to come and be with you, O God, bless us with holiness. Bless us with brokenness. Bless us with contrition. Bless us with mercy. Bless us with the heart and passion and zeal to share your gospel. Forgive our cowardice and grant us courage. For in Jesus' name we are freed.